What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kind of Neat. Thank you guys again for tuning in. As always, follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man, Ben Shin, behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, space with two S's. Follow us as a unit at That's Kind of Neat, youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat, where you can see all of our videos and a playlist and just listen to them and uh, do chores or do your homework or you know tell your mom to get off your back. You're listening to music. Find everything wrapped up in a pretty package at kindaneat.net. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It is very important to subscribe and leave comments and five star ratings. It is so helpful and makes just just makes me have a warm feeling inside. This week, I'm not going to talk too long during the intro because I just talked an hour and forty five minutes with my best friend and confidant, Dominic Cooley. You guys have heard me mention him probably dozens of times on this podcast. He's the dude that I travel all across the country and world sometimes with, shooting photographs and shooting pictures of athletes and models and random fucking people and uh yeah i don't know i'm super proud of where he is in his life right now so we talk about how he got there talk about uh a lot about his kids and just kind of like the the ingrained hustle mode that he has so hopefully you guys will find this inspiring and find it fun without any further ado here is my conversation with dominic cooley I talk about you a lot on this podcast, pause, but I mean, we travel a lot together and then people like to get a small like glimpse into my real life of what I do uh, beyond when I'm sitting in here or writing emo raps. And yep. so, you know, traveling with you and spending time with you and the kids and the family is like a big part of my life. So I figured it'd be an interesting insight into everything. Well, yeah. And it was funny too, because like the one thing I kept coming up with is like, this is like my introduction to like podcast Lee. Cause <laughs> yeah. like, this is a totally different motherfucker. Yeah. You got here. It's like <laughs> when I met you 15 years ago, I like met Lee Shaner yeah. and then it was like, okay, I got to know intuition. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's like this new motherfucker I've never met. His name's like podcast Lee. <laughs> and fucking, he's like charming and nice and be kissing mad ass to all these fucking people in the music industry. And I'm like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Wait, what? I'm used to the what? cynical. What? Like, I, don't, I don't kiss ass. That's the real life? Nah, uh, I don't. <laughs> That's how I let I'm you like, do who that the shit. Fuck. When I like the first one I ever heard, I was like, oh god, who the fuck is this dude? <laughs> That's fucked. I didn't realize that. I guess I put on my radio voice. I'm trying to think of an exact job where like fucking Lee Shaner came out in full blast, you know, and then like comparison to like when you're interviewing somebody else, I'm like, holy shit, you could be that nice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well what you're talking about of course is like i'm your right hand man on set you are the photographer when we go shoot and i i do all the other stuff i like set up the lights and run the computer and then and make sure that everything is comfortable for your creativity to to fucking come out and sometimes i've been known to put my foot in my mouth on set and crack some jokes where i'm like oh wait maybe i'm a little too comfortable right now and being a fucking too leashainer Nah, man. I, I mean, yeah, exactly. So on the technical side, that's, you know, exactly what we do. I mean, like I always say, like with our team and like team of dudes that we have, you know, uh, AG to anybody else who fills in with us to you. I definitely think it's just more of a group effort, you know, from the people we work with who are the clients to the art person in between then down to us, you know, and like, I'm always like, Hey man, it's not like just me. It's like a fucking big team effort. Yeah. Like I was saying with that, yeah, there's a lot of other shit we lean on for each other where I'm like, hey, man, fucking 
I'm kind of clamming up here around this fucking athlete or whoever it is like, yo, man, be that asshole. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is sometimes I have to have like if, yeah. sometimes it's like setting the vibe on a on a set of being a smart ass or like cracking jokes where like, hey, if the photographer said it, maybe it would be some weird shit. But if the assistant said it, it's like, oh, that doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I can kind of like say the things that you might not be allowed to say. Yeah, I say that all the time, man, like to everybody. I'm like, hey, our crew, is, I mean, there's a lot of people that could do photography and probably do it as well, if not better than us, which is definitely the case. But at the same time, like our crew is a shit, man. Everybody comes out. They have like a good time. Like there's usually not a job that we do that someone who hasn't been like, we love working with you guys and you are the most fun that we've ever had. We're, a per- we're like a personality crew. Exactly. I'm like, you know, you, you know, like the photography is kind of like 50-50 to like just talking shit, you know, it's yeah. like. The photography is free, but the jokes cost you four grand a day. There you go. (laughs) And I I always kind of joke around about like, yeah, I think people like hiring us because we shoot so many athletes and stuff and like art director crews and like these brands it's all these white people that are like uncomfortable around black athletes for some reason and we go in and we're like hey what's up fool and like it's just very comfortable you know what i mean like we yeah. don't, and we don't get starstruck because we're not like big at, like sports fans it's just like these are some dudes that we have to like make look cool for the day and fucking try to get some real personality out of them i think definitely understanding i mean i feel like our crew and us and me uh, definitely do better a lot like sometimes working with like a dude like an athletic you know like an athlete or a musician or whatever because i think it's just we're real conscious of like what looks cool you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying to a dude where you're not going to ask some dude to do some dumb shit like you know a lot of the times we get like a client or somebody that's like yo man make him go yo 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 and throw yeah. his hands up and you're yeah. like man fuck no yeah like i'm not making him do that yeah. and we can kind of all joke about it plus you know it's like each one of us was kind of an athlete in there you know at one point or another whether if it was like you know we got ag who was like actually played ball at college yeah. you know you playing baseball and me just kind of being involved in sports and, mm-hmm. and and being a fan of sports and things like that so when we come across dudes like that and a lot of times you know we're in this real artsy fartsy world where um these people weren't into sports yeah a lot of photographers no are like unathletic or you know exactly what I mean? like, yeah and we're kind of the other we're definitely the other side of that. You yeah, know? yeah. No funny hairdos or nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's not an option, really. <laughs> yeah, we saying. both went bald around the same time. You know, what yeah. a bummer. Yeah, where did the photography thing come from for you? <clears throat> I mean, truthfully, I, maybe like subconsciously, like way, 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 way back when, uh, my grandfather was actually a – he was a photographer in the Navy. And he actually uh, – when he was a kid or when I was a kid, um, I used to go down and visit him. At this time, I was probably like 10 – And he would always show me like old wartime photos and things like that. And because it was my grandfather, like everything he showed me felt like it was from another world. You know what I mean? I was like, whoa, look at these black and white photos of like. Yeah. How come when you see pictures of your grandparents when they're young, they still look old as fuck? Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I can't even relate to this being 10. And I'm like, whoa, but I knew I knew that he did it. And I knew he had like a lot of photography stuff going on. But like it didn't interest me at all. Um, but it was part of like my life as far as like having a dope album to look at from my grandfather of my parent or my mom photography equipment. That was just weird, random stuff like SX 70 Polaroids and like random little pieces of equipment that actually after he passed away would get handed down to me. Mm. But then I think where it really hit was, is I, I have my, uh, my uncle, uh, which we call him uncle Frank. Everybody knows Shout uncle, out Frank. To uncle Frank. That's the first time I got to do that. Frank the tank. <laughs> But uh, so Frank was like kind of like hobbyist, surf photographer, very, very into photography. 
and he started doing surf photography and surfing was like something that was like real big for me when I was a kid, just being involved in the ocean and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, uncle Frank's house was like uncle Frank and aunt Julie, my aunt. Um, you're just shouting the whole hood I know, out, man. I'm gonna, that's <laughs> what it. I'm saying. I'm trying to think of like who to shout out. So no one gets mad at me. <laughs> hey man, I heard you on the radio. Yeah. You didn't mention my name. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh, no one, shit. no one who I really know knows how to fucking download the podcast app. So I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> you're like, wait, do they have the yeah, internet? We're Ocean's very on? analog. Everybody's like, yo, you're going to be on FM 97.1. <laughs> Cause if not, I'm not listening. Yeah. I don't fuck with that. Uh, so anyway, so uh, Frank and Julie, so their house was like the house when you grow up, that was like the house where all the cousins and everybody, you know, he lived down the street from me with my cousin Adam. Uh, he was an only child and like my Aunt Julie and Uncle Frank's house. That was the hangout house. Like mm. there, there'd be kids there every weekend. You know, all of our family members and our aunt and uncle would just spoil us, man. And the kids would play video games and we'd stay up all night and eat, you know, crappy junk food and whatever. And um, a lot of the kids, man, when they'd be playing video games and stuff, like when I was a kid, I found like my uncle's archive. Like I found like all his slides from like all mm-hmm. these like places that he had been as a young man, you know, like. He went over to Samoa and lived over there for a while. He was like in and out of Hawaii, like all these like really cool destination surf spots that I had like dreamed of surfing my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just understood I wasn't like a, not like a good surfer or nothing, but like, I'd be like, man, I would like to go and check that out. So as through just looking through all these photos and seeing like that he took that he took. Yeah. So he was like the photographer and yeah. these trips he had been on. And then just watching the documentation of like, I'm flipping through slides and here's a photo of my dad from the 1970s, you know, looking yeah. like a straight bell bottomed out Hawaiian yeah. shirt looking, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like just real cool, like throwback shit. Yeah. And just like the culture that had came up, like, you know, skateboarding to surfing, like he was documenting all that mm-hmm. and just had a bunch of tight photos of even where we grew up in Oceanside and you know, the, every generation of the pier since he was a kid you know like there was two piers that had fell down one had fell down they rebuilt it Mm -hmm. old buildings all that and it just really inspired me to where i was like man that's really cool like i would like to do that Mm -hmm. and so um so yeah i got my hands on a camera man i took a class when i got to high school yeah and that's kind of where the journey had started instantly you mentioned that um you and adam are only children and the crazy thing is is like even though you're only ch- children, like you guys have a giant family and it seems like both sides of your family with all your cousins and everything raised you guys and raised everybody. It seemed like this big communal effort. And um, going back to what we were talking about being a personality crew, I think that the way you were brought up in that city with everyone kind of being a huge community has a lot to do with your personality. Yeah, probably, you know, it probably does, man. Um, no, it definitely does. I mean, I don't, the thing is, is like, yeah, like, I'm an only child, but at the same time, like I have a ton of cousins and because my family's like third generation there, uh, um, in Oceanside, in Oceanside, yeah. you know, everybody knows our family. Everybody knows my good friend's family. Everybody knows these certain families. And it's like, man, you can't really, like, I remember ditching school as a kid and just being like, man, I know somebody that like my dad works with or somebody's going to see me, you know what yeah. I mean? So it was like, there was this like village mentality of being raised to where like you kind of feared for like the elder people that like your uncles or your aunts or someone would introduce you to and it really kept you in line but at the same time there was like even just keeping you in line and keeping you accountable for like what you're doing at the same time there was that level of help there you know where it was like whether no matter what i was into someone's like oh dom's into playing basketball like he's gonna try out for the high school team and then it's like bam someone that my uncle knows is like taking me under their wing 
and bringing me to the park with all these other kids and, you know, trying to train me to play basketball and do this or do that. Or, you know, it's like somebody's dad in the neighborhood was like the dad that took us to the beach every day or whatever the case may be is like we had that support. And I think growing up that way, it seems as though that's carried on to into your adulthood where like you take people under your wing i feel like and you when you talk about frank's house was the house that like people went to chill at and, and like everybody went and got spoiled it seems like that's what your house has kind of become lately yeah i feel like my house my business my uh, my studio like all those things like are all just that you know we all kind of bring each other we kind of bring each other up and we use each other uh for any kind of thing you know if i have some like, for instance, I get a lot of kids that always ask me about interning, you know, like, hey, I want to intern from you. I want to work with you. I want to do this. I want to do that. And the crazy thing is, is like, it's not that I wouldn't like to reach out and help these other people, but uh, that hit me up or I'm not interested or they might they may even be better at a role than somebody I have. But I'm just really in the whole giving back because there's so many people like, I, you know, we're talking about how big the family is. And I go back to think about my business or the way anything is and. The crazy thing is, is like so many people have helped with so many different as like aspects of the business. You know, it's like while I'm building my studio, I have a bunch of homies that do construction, you know, and each one of them knew that I was like trying to like, you know, it's like that if you build it, they will come type shit, you mm -hmm. know, where it's like I told my boys like, hey, man, I'm about to have this spot. It needs a lot of work. And the next thing I know, you know, I got all my boys over there that are on some straight up burrito you know like hey man i'll buy you a burrito work 10 hours doing construction you know and my way of kind of giving back to everybody who helps me no matter what it is like hey i need a lowrider for this photo shoot hey i need a location do you know this person that owns this restaurant you know um my way of giving back is just when they're you know there's these big companies that hire us like the reis or the espns or the you know uh hennessy or whoever it may be whatever big client we're working for I bring my boys on as assistants or I bring somebody in to do the catering or I bring somebody else in to help with the production or maybe build us some sets. I always try to go back to the people that have supported, you know, me from mm -hmm. when there was no money to pass around or whatever. Right. And just use those companies to kind of like get jobs that we need done as well as like provide a job for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know. Keep the money in the hood. Keep the money in the hood. That's our motto right That's there. That's the motto. <laughs> but yeah, so like what, it, what was it like growing up in Oceanside? Because Oceanside is insane to me, and the first time I went down there, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean... Well, the be the best summary I've ever heard of Oceanside, I was on a, I was actually on a bus to Oceanside, I think, like a Greyhound or something, and, I, and this old fucking gangster dude was sitting next to me, and he's like, where are you headed? And I said, I'm going down to Oceanside. I was going from Santa Barbara, and he goes, Oceanside? He's like, man, that place is crazy. It's like a bunch of white boys that look like skaters, but they're all gangbangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I think there's a... I mean, yeah, I think if you asked anybody, there's definitely... It's it's one of those coastal towns. Like, I mean, to pair, to compare it to anything on like a mainstream thing, I guess you could look at it like almost like a a Venice or something. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where yeah, it was when I was coming up as a kid. It was like I think I guess you could say lower middle class, like kind of down by the beach. Mm -hmm. So I mean, Oceanside. You got to remember too, it's it split up into a bunch of different neighborhoods. So you know, my neighborhood. It was like more middle class type neighborhood, but it's it's a trip. There's these little pockets kind of in and around the beach. Like I guess like you would consider like a Venice or something mm -hmm. where there's these little alleyway cuts and different little neighborhoods going around. And then, you know, we full on got, you know, Mexican neighborhoods and black neighborhoods and Samoan neighborhoods and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, as a whole, it's more of a 
middle to lower class type town mm-hmm. um, with a lot of like cheap property by the beach. Um, and now it's slowly starting to get filled up because people are starting to figure that out and mm-hmm. the neighborhood's kind of cleaning up, mm-hmm. um, you know, in and around that area. But, but as um, a kid, there's places that you probably couldn't go in that town. Yeah, I think as a kid, you just had to definitely be aware. You know, you were definitely aware. You had like a heightened awareness to like what was going on in and around like your neighborhood or other people's neighborhoods. And and the thing is, I think, you know, the kids when they're young, like I wasn't involved in like gangbanging like that or nothing like that. But it was definitely around. And a lot of our friends, you know, most of them were involved in something like that or you played sports with some kid, you know, you played sports with some kid and he grew up in a crip neighborhood and that's your buddy, you know what I mean? You guys played basketball together. So at the same time, I mean, on my end, it was cool to experience it like that because I was able to have friends in all these different neighborhoods and kind of hear the stories of what's going on plus see it mm-hmm. firsthand and know where to be like, okay, you're you're definitely not welcome here and you need to like tread lightly or whatever. And it probably also taught you how to get along with a lot of different types of people because I think that from the business perspective, that's like your strongest quality that I look up to is the fact that like you can have a conversation with whoever the fuck. Yeah, I mean – you know what's weird? I think when you tell somebody their strongest quality, you're like, man, I really got to work hard to like be the motherfucker that like, you know, you come in like even today, man, it's like I didn't really know like how we would do this. But the mm-hmm. conversation is just flowing like crazy because <laughs> I'm just it's dripping like kinda, water kind of the shit, you know, <laughs> I'm like, shit, I should run this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot. OK, bring it back to like the start of photography, man. There's so many fucking lame ass jobs that I had to take to get to the point where I'm at mm-hmm. that I think a lot of fucking people, no matter what you're doing or whoever talks to me about coming up in fucking music or, you know, I got somebody that wants to be a fucking chef or this, that, whatever, man, pay your fucking dues and mm-hmm. do whatever the fuck it takes to pay your dues. Because the reality is, man, I did so many shitty jobs. I don't even want to tell you most of them mm-hmm. of what they would be, but like, caring about photography so much to where it's like, like, you know, I would say it's the equivalent to you. Like I'm in some fucked up shitty venue, but I'm going to rock this show because I love music so much. And it's my art Mm -hmm. that I'm not, no matter what the venue is or how many people in there, I'm going to give the same show. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was the same thing, you know, like let's say I was doing a wedding Mm -hmm. and you know, sometimes I did weddings for friends and it was like kind of fun, you know, it was Mm -hmm. like, I'm with some homies, I'm shooting some photos, I'm making some money. That's cool. Sometimes, man, I just took them because I needed some extra cash, you know, and uh, I'm working for some random ass person, some bitchy ass bride. You know, I don't want to be there. We're in like the fucking Holiday Inn in Oceanside and it's mm-hmm. some fucked up like it's like everything's going against me. It's not a cool fucking location. The bride's being a cunt like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's all yeah. these different fucking things and I'm hung over, yeah. you know, and it's like, damn, I really don't want to be here. But like the pride in me because of like what I liked doing was like, hey, get it together, dude. Uh-huh. And like snap the fuck out of it and do what you do. Right. You know, so uh, I've always just kept that mentality, man, no matter like what we're doing, whether it's like a big client or a small client or if somebody's being an asshole like yeah. my biggest goal of the day is like you know sometimes we come in this dude's being a prick and I'm like hey man our biggest goal of the day isn't the photos today it's like if we can get this person to like us yeah like then we're good that shit would be good yeah right i remember uh doing that job uh we were on a skull candy job and um we were shooting Andre Godala oh yeah yeah and uh his manager who's like kind of she was like a manager with kobe and kevin durant and all this and she's like this real good looking uh <laughs> she's like this real good looking lady she's like tall athletic kind of deal 
And man, it was crazy. Like the first couple times that we had worked with her, we got nowhere. You know what I mean? She was like stepping all over our toes, like two telling, left. Us, telling us what to shoot, talking yeah. about two minutes left, this and that. And that shit was so funny, man, because like the Lee Shaner I know charm <laughs> like came on a fucking this dude just had her busting up, cracking up to where it was like we finally just won her over. I told her that she looked like an equestrian. <laughs> She has a tall right. boots on. I said, are you an equestrian? She said, what's that? I said, you look like you ride horses. <laughs> She's like, you got those good jeans. You come from like a white family. Like fucking own staples. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, like the athletes start laughing and she starts laughing. And it's like, man, you're always just like one fucking conversation away or like funny line from like just making that cool experience and then that just breaks down to like relationships well, which go and which goes back to the before the tangent started being Damn. able to, to being able to talk to whoever like where does that trait come from from you that has to be like from being able to like get through different neighborhoods without getting without fucking you know treading too heavily right? yeah i mean I, I think deep down what it comes from is my dad and he grew up in oceanside too so yeah, yeah tell me you about know, your folks my, my pops like definitely had to uh learn how to navigate and talk to people and do that shit. And I saw it my whole life of him just like chopping it up with everybody, but to get back and not go too far off the tangent. Yeah. I mean, I equivalate or equivalent. <laughs> that was my fucking E40 <laughs> slang. <coming out. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I equate yeah. is that, you know, dealing with so many people at any different times. I mean, you could be in a fucking burrito spot and all of a sudden it's like a bunch of dudes from another neighborhood are kind of looking at you funny or whatever and you gotta learn how to navigate through that shit you can be at a house party with 10 different fucking people and it, it i kind of equate that shit to big business i'm like man if you can if you can navigate through fucking sticky situations in real life where you could actually get fucked up mm -hmm. you could navigate your way through the corporate world mm -hmm. like and that's you know when i think about it i'm like man what do you what are you even nervous or worried about today when you're negotiating these deals between mm -hmm. like big clients like some of our larger clients are retainer deals or something it's like hey man like you're not gonna get your ass kicked you know what i'm saying like you're not gonna walk in somewhere say the wrong shit and end up getting your ass kicked so yeah. a lot of those things i just think about all the time i'm like man i navigated through a room with like motherfuckers that straight stomp you out or shoot your ass like shit coming up here and talking about money yeah. and an opportunity that, that's a cakewalk that's the easy part yeah 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 so tell me about your folks my dad, he's a construction worker, uh, been a huge supporter of like everything I do. Shit, even back, it was before photography when I didn't really know what I was going to do. Probably my best friend uh, knows a lot of stuff about, you know, just every little thing I got going on. And uh, and he ingrained a lot of like your hard work qualities into you, I'm sure. Yeah. So, you know, another model is ours is, uh, you know, we're like the blue, blue collar photography crew. I always say we're the fucking photography work release program because we look like a straight bunch of thugs but uh yeah so my dad you know as a kid like man it was uh just in, ingrained in me you know watching my dad being on the job site with him you know like um my dad would take me to work since i was like 10 years old and in the beginning it was like oh ride your bike around the construction site and help pick up some nails and then it came to like because he's like a contractor who can kind of do everything yeah right? build a house he could build a house from the ground up, up. Yeah, yeah he's that type of dude and he had a lot of projects like that so he, uh, you know, when I was a kid, like I said, it was more fun around the job site type shit. And then by the time I hit like 13, it was like, oh, summertime. Yeah. You're coming with me. Pick and a shovel up, pick a shovel, you know, doing labor shit. And which was crazy is like, I always admired my dad for what he did, but I never really was like super interested in it 
which is crazy because now you know me. I'm like Mr. Fucking Project after yeah, project. Yeah, you're like Bob Vila. Yeah, I'm trying to be like Bob Vila. But I wish I would have learned more during that time period. But during that time, I was like, man, just everybody I want to work out. Everybody wants to rebel when they're 13. Like, you don't want to do what your dad's doing. That's not tight. Yeah, and I, and I looked at it as like, well, I'm, he's just going to pay me to work out all day. I'm going to lift yeah. all this fucking wood. I'm going to dig this hole. I'm going to do that. But, you know, my dad... It was a bunch of grown men on his job site, and it's not like a fucking corporate environment. So yeah. it was like straight up like, hey, you fucking faggot, get your ass over here and pick up this wood and do this and do right. that. Like, you know, like no one called me by my real name. It was a bunch of like grown motherfuckers that were like straight out the pin sometimes. Yeah. So like. And it's also and it's probably also a lot of like locker talk where it's like just dudes playing the dozens the whole day and shit. Right? Dudes playing the dozens all day, talking all kinds of shit. But at the same time, like even on my dad's job site, like dudes will fucking come at you like. You got to watch your ass as a young kid. You'll get straight slapped up, you know, yeah. like, like come tell, a little too crazy about a grown up. Tell the story about showing up late where you had to dig the hole. Oh, yeah, man. My dad, he, he just had like, I'm trying to think, man. I had something else I was going to say. You threw me all uh, off, you sorry, motherfucker. Sorry. But like the blue collar, like just shit that was like, instain, like ingrained in my head. Like I remember like as a kid, like going to the job site or something and like cutting my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, like something that wasn't that bad, but there was like a cut. Yeah. And I remember like as an instinct, as a kid, you just want to go like, oh, shit, I got a cut on my hand. Yeah. And I just remember like one day, like my pops that came home and this motherfucker had like a big ass like cut on his hand. Or there was like a time even where he like chopped this fucking pinky finger off and like he didn't whine at all. And I just mm-hmm. went like in my head, like, well, from this point on, dog, like, <laughs> yeah, like unless you amputate a leg, like, yeah. you know, you can't really whine or cry about anything like that. Yeah. So anyway, that's like just that blue collar work ethic, like where there's no job that's like too big or too small yeah. for us. It's like, you know, hey, I pack the bags as well. You know, we carry gear. We fucking are in the trenches working with each other. Um, and, you know, I think our clients see that and people like appreciate like oh, wow, Lee went over and grabbed the fucking makeup lady shit, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's like, because I'm trying to mack on the makeup yeah, lady. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really, <laughs> that's really, yeah, Lee don't got those qualities and shit. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad didn't oh, do I'm any, trying to rub off he didn't on do, he didn't do any physical like, labor, I didn't learn any of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Lee's like, oh, hey, uh, so what's up, girl? <laughs> um, well, you got makeup in there? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you grew up on construction sites and shit, and I feel like that work ethic rubbed off on you for sure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, but then again, you know, so my pops was like real supportive over everything. I mean, I was pretty much such a dumbass in high school that I barely graduated and just had a real hard time uh, with education, you know, like the conventional means, but yeah. I always was like pretty creative and had some other shit going on. Yeah, let's talk about that. You're, I feel like you're probably my most, I would say you're my most successful friend. Like you're killing it. You own a house, you have a family, you got a successful business, you're, like you're crushing right now. But, like, you'll fully admit, like, you're not a book smart motherfucker. Nah, man. And uh, and that that has really, like, influenced me in that, like, I grew up a very book smart motherfucker who was kind of street smart. And then I see somebody who's fully street smart who, like, doesn't give a shit about book smarts. And, like, that's really a, a – that really, like, has helped you navigate, I feel like. Yeah. I. Th- so this is doctor therapist dude that works with my oldest son, and that's a whole other thing. But I talk to him about it quite a bit. It, it's kind of mind-blowing, man. Like – yeah, okay, to put it straight up, like, man, I think I really stopped learning, like, education-wise, probably about seventh grade, to where, like, 
I got behind in certain things. My parents really weren't like highly educated, nor were they like really always up on like they weren't like forcing you to do your homework and shit. I mean, they were, but they weren't like there was just a point definitely where like it was becoming a little much for them yeah. as far as their jobs and what they were comprehending and it not even comprehending. It's not like my parents were dumb, but like learning how to teach somebody is an art. Right. In itself, you know, right. a construction worker trying to teach a fucking kid Geometry is like different. You know, my yeah. dad's like, so you take 10 pieces of wood and these nails. <laughs> I had yeah. like nails on the fucking kitchen yeah, table. Yeah. Like, take four away. So this therapist, dude, we always talk about it. And I forgot what he calls it, but there's like a definite name. It's not street smarts. Yeah. It's like kind of like almost common sense you're, over. You're like uh, social abilities or something like. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a it's a combination of a lot of things. I yeah. think like creative problem solving as well as like, yeah, social abilities and certain things like that. And, you know, me and you, we've talked a lot about it now that I get older because I really wonder, man, it's like I went to school with all these like crazy talented kids and really smart kids, whether they were smart and athletic or smart and, you know, artsy or whatever. I mean, I was probably like you lined up a hundred fucking kids at my school and be like, hey, which one's going to have a successful business, this, that, whatever. Like no one would have fucking chose me. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like it would have been a bad gamble at that point. Right. Um, I was never really a dumb – like a dummy. Like I found ways to like navigate through and like get what I needed done, whether if it was like fucking copying from somebody or charming a fucking teacher, you mm -hmm. know, like – those types of skills, you know, yeah. it's like I could charm my way into getting a fucking B, right? You know, from a female teacher yeah. or some shit. Well, and that's that shit that I'm talking about. That like people don't put enough stress on that. I I feel like like if you, in hindsight, I feel like it probably was a safe bet to think that you would be a successful business person, having heard a lot of your life story in the past. Like the little things, like, uh, and this is something that my brother did too, uh, that you guys share in common, and he's also a successful. Uh, he's doing really well as well. Like you guys both would make money off of throwing parties in high school. Yeah, I'd make money off of all kinds like of hustles. Shit. You know what I mean? Like you, that's the thing is like, okay, hey, I, I might not give a shit about homework, but I got these hustles and I'm making this paper. You know what I mean? I think at the time I didn't really think about it. Like, exactly. I got this hustle and I'm gonna do this. Like, I enjoyed doing certain things, and you know, one of them's always been like bringing people together and having a good time. You know, that's always been. So, I mean, so basically it goes back to like an opportune moments. Like I saw things where I'm like, huh, okay, I got this opportunity right now. And I don't know if I thought about it that hard, but when I was like in high school, right, and people are throwing fucking keg parties, this and that, there was this biker dude that lived down the street and he had some kind of like little hookup with like Anheuser-Busch, right? Mm -hmm. One day I was down there chilling. He like really liked me, kind of took me under his wing, was this cool dude, you know, and I used to go down there and chill out and talk shit with him and all this and that. And he's like, hey, you know, the, the Anheuser-Busch truck fucking comes pulling up to his house. And this dude's like, oh, come get whatever you want. And I'm like, holy it's just shit. It's just pulled by those big fucking horses in the commercials. <laughs> yeah, <pulled right>. <laughs> that's how it was. They're shitting everywhere with big-ass dicks. <laughs> you got a lot of dick jokes in this podcast. saying very visual, dog. <laughs> so, so they had, how you wearing tight-ass shorts sitting right across from you. I'm like, kick back. <laughs> The, the Anheuser Busch truck pulls up and so this like it's like a full on grocery truck type thing and yeah. this dude like brings like goes walking right in there and is like oh you know grab whatever you want mm -hmm. and so this dude had some kind of like little connect you know where he just did that almost every Friday he's like oh it just fell off the truck kind of yeah that type yeah. of shit and uh, I was like yo man what's up with me getting a little piece of that you know yeah and the dude was like oh yeah man like throw my buddy like twenty five bucks for any keg you want and fucking you could take it yeah. And I was like, what? $25? Like, you know, as a kid, I'm thinking 
fuck, man, if I was going to throw a party, that shit would be like 200 bucks in beer. Like, I could grab enough beer to party for the whole year. Yeah. You know, so, uh, so this is shit that I feel like other parents would be frowning on, but it was like, you know, I basically came home with like four kegs of beer for like a fucking hundred bucks. Yeah. And I had a couple like big Samoan homies and I said, man, you guys work the door and I'm going to throw this big ass cracking party. And my parents were like cool with it. And at the time, I think like my parents were probably getting frowned on like, man, you're fucking crazy letting your kid do this. But at the same time, you know, I'd chip some homies off that were working the front door, plus put fucking like a G in my pocket as like a high school kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I remember hearing like other people's parents talking mad shit about that or this or that or whatever. And then it got to a point where it got too crazy and at my house. My parents were like, man, whatever. So kids were literally coming up to me being like, dude, my parents are going out of town for the week. You could just like produce that you know they didn't say that but now yeah. i look back on it it's You're like, like oh i was being a production manager I'm just pr- producing something yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. you have the you have what the goods that people want you put it all together and you fucking do it for yeah. a dollar amount you know and no one cares because they just want to throw a party and that shit where like in in hindsight you don't realize it at the time what you're doing but when you look back you're like oh yeah wait i was like on some smart shit yeah now that i think about it i'm like wow that was like a crazy little hustle and i didn't even see it like that it was just like an opportunity to do something and to put some money in my yeah. pocket and well because i just think i always think about that shit like you and my brother are the two dudes that i know that are the best with money like you guys have been able to like save it and put it into use and buy houses and shit and most of my friends are completely irresponsible pieces of shit uh but i love you guys and uh <laughs> so but the what like the craziest the crazy like common theme that you two had was like the high school party thing because where you would have kegs and have people watching the door and it just essentially turned the house into a fucking club, you know? Like, he was turning the house into a casino and he would invite people over and say, look, I'm gonna deal blackjack and I'm the house and you guys can all pitch in, it's $2 games or whatever, and he would make a G playing just being the house in fucking blackjack and I I find those things to be so similar and interesting about you guys because he was another one who, like, he, he stopped giving a shit about school after a while too but still found his, like, his way i mean the other part of that story that's a trip now is um you know i get like people that see what i'm doing like via social media or hear from friends or whatever and like damn dom's working with this person or you know they'll keep up with my social media and you know i keep it pretty real on my social media i just show what's going on in my life whether Mm -hmm. it's my kids wife me my work the homies whatever I, i pretty much keep it pretty true so people get to like watch my life almost like some reality tv like any other thing but it's a trip now. The people that reach out to me are like people that would never even spoke to me when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's this dude that um, I've had people that are doctor. I mean, I, my neighbor's a fucking doctor now. So it's like it's just really weird to like rub elbows with people like that. And uh, but it is weird because of my appearance and because of what I do. And it's so oddball. Like at the same time, I get people hitting me up. Some people just curious. Some people don't understand what I do at all. Mm-hmm. And um, it's yeah, just my, interesting. My, fa- my favorite is like when you post pictures of like maybe women that we photographed and like some salty wife will be like, oh, that seems fun. Or like, like you just like this kind of sarcastic eye roll like, oh, I wish that was my job and like job no in quotation marks or something like, fuck you. Dude, there's so many fucking weird dynamics that have popped up either from like being successful or uh or right. just being right, being D- put in these D- DJ Khaled you're over oh, here suffering shit. from success. Did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, just DJ Khaled. Oh shit. 
No, but uh, no, but it's a, it's a trip, man. Because I never really thought like things would change with certain people, or people would treat you a certain way, or this or that. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's mm-hmm. just you know, it, it's a trip. Like even living in the neighborhood I live in, it's it's so funny. Like I remember when we first moved in, like I'm thinking, man, all my di- all my neighbors must think I sell dope or some shit. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I'm there with a bunch of people that are probably ten years older than me, mm-hmm. all like successful like type you know doctors or very six you know like th- their life is totally different yeah, from squares mine. very squares yeah yeah, yeah 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 so i'm in the square ass neighborhood yeah <laughs> and, and uh except shout, I remember, out, like, shout out to john though the yeah, john, neighbor, john, a square. yeah shout out to everybody in the neighborhood really <laughs> except for all the fucking lanes <laughs> that don't even make no sense uh, but not like so you know we'd come up on some like neighborhood thing you know it's like yeah. i got my three kids and whatever and people would always be like hey man what's up you know and first thing it's like in the fucking burbs, they ask you, what do you do? It's like asking you, like, what set are you from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, uh, oh, I'm a photographer. And then instantaneously it'd be like, oh, what does your wife do? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, she stays home. They're like, what? And it's like, hmm. Yeah. Like a trust fund kid or something. Which right. Which couldn't be further from the truth. Well, but. yeah, particularly with the, de- the democratization. That's a big word for you to learn today. The democratization of photography, how it's become so easy to become a quote unquote photographer with the dawn of Instagram. You got these motherfuckers that have 100,000 Twitter followers where all they do is shoot uh, the same fucking 10 chicks in lingerie all the time. You know what I mean? And like that's a photographer. You know, to actually make a living off of it seems like it's like very rare, I feel like. I feel like it's. Very rare. And at the same time, man, like there's other people that I admire their photography like a motherfucker and they're really not doing it that that same way. Like I've always just kept it really grounded that like fucking it is a business. And there's so many. Don't get me wrong, man. Like I'm just not the fucking cool guy. Like go to my Instagram. I don't even got fucking 3000 followers, but it's like. You know, you want to talk them Instagram numbers like we could talk other numbers, too. Right. Right. But at the same time, I'm kind of like. I'm not worried if I get likes, I get checks. There you go. I'm you on know? that Diddy shit. Yeah. Like he wrote shitty raps. I'll be taking some shitty photos <laughs> sometimes with every pain, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I Like I've always been more or less after that money because I got three kids, man, and a wife at home. And, uh, you know, I want to give them like a certain quality of life. Like people like this is number one thing is like, man, you must love your job. You get to do what you do every day. It's like. You get to do what you love. I'm like, nah, fool, I love getting head. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't fucking love, like, I Lay, love photography. Uh, the one thing that, when I know that, that it's a Dom Cooley photo shoot is when he ends up laying uh, belly down on in some uh, fucking pile of mud to get a low angle shot. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like, we got the shot now. I know it. Yeah, I'm like, it's we're a, downtown LA. Yeah, that's the whole thing is like, every like we're workhorses. Every shoot that we do, you work really fucking hard. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. we shoot all fucking day and we shoot probably four to 6,000 shots every shoot and that's like workhorse shit that's what we do and that's how and that's what it takes to like make it as a photographer i feel like if you're doing lifestyle stuff well and you even know man you'll you'll hear me calling weeks before like i'm nervous about the bid lee Mm -hmm. i don't know if they're gonna take it man like Mm -hmm. we you know we bidded this job all crazy and we got like you know this that and whatever and i know they're they're trying to see three other bids and i wonder if we're gonna win and then all of a sudden we get it and now it's like the pressure i mean the chances you got to take to even be able to have work at that level is like are you willing you know we went on like a big ass trip for a new era cap company and you know we're on the east coast for three weeks Mm -hmm. and then back out on the west coast for a week shooting all the biggest name baseball players in the mlb and uh you know what's so crazy is like man it's such a blessing to have a job like that but then you got to go and literally it's on it's on me now Mm -hmm. you know so it's like okay well we need flights like 
okay, so even just in flights, we probably got 10 grand out, mm-hmm. you know? So then I got to go get, you know, credit cards that could support this. You know, by the end of this trip, I got 40 plus thousand dollars of my own money out before we even see it a dime. Right. Before it gets recouped. So, I mean, I think just being able to be a risk taker like that and, you know, even just have the support to even do something like that is crazy, you know? And then there's like, you know, there's the anxiety and worries about just having that money out. Plus the, now you got to think of the creative and then we have to be ourselves on set. Mm-hmm. I can't be out there showing that I'm a nervous wreck because I got 40,000 on my credit card. It's like, mm-hmm. we got to sit back and and do our thing and act like there's no money on it, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so then there's that part of the business. There's even the handing over and the post-production of the images and things like that. And even just chasing your money down sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, like, there's so many different things where a lot of people are like, oh, it'd be fun just to be a photographer all the time, which kind of brings me back to like the whole thing I was saying earlier where um, you get to do what you love. Like, yeah, true. I get to do what I love, but there's a lot of other parts to that. Yeah. And it's like, man, the actual doing what you love part is only maybe a six hour part of the whole thing. And you've right. got three other weeks of preparation where you're right. doing shit like everybody else has to do. Yeah. If someone wants to talk about doing what I love, it's like, well then just pay me to hang out on the beach and surf with my kids. Like yeah. that's really what I love. Yeah. So we basically the hard work just goes into like giving them a good life yeah. and being able to like the more time, like I see like the more successful you are uh, to me, it doesn't really have shit to do with money. It's like, how many days can I pick my kids up from school mm-hmm. and how many days can I be there to do something with them or take them to show them something fly or yeah. be doing some tight shit with my wife? You know, how long can I keep my wife, uh, you know, not staying at home and taking care of our kids and working for our business. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's a big goal to have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot so of pressure. Let's talk about. Uh, you fall in love with photography when you're in high school. Did you have somebody that took you under your wing, like a a, a, a teacher or something that saw your potential? Funny story, dude. So I got I got in uh, photography right, and there was this photo class. And the teacher's name, crazy as fuck, was Mr. Brooks, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's crazy because we went to Brooks Institute of Photography. Right. So check this out. This is how fucking dumb I was, I guess, at that point. So what happens on the Brooks Institute thing is, like, I'm in this dude's class for about a year. And I, and I was, like, the only one that took it seriously. It was, like, a bunch of AP kids that, like, you know, just moonlighted in the class. And there was, like, a couple people that took it seriously. So he found out I liked it. He's like, man, you should TA for me. And then you should take it as another elective. So I actually had, at one point, like, three... Um, photo classes, three photo classes in a row. Whereas, like, I do the chemistry, I do this darkroom days, all that shit. Yeah, so, so you were already getting your chops up and your fucking ten thousand hours in in high school. Yeah, I was of. getting my ten thousand yeah. hours at that point. You know, like just doing it a lot. And on his wall, check this shit out. There was a, a poster for the Brooks Institute. Yeah, and I always thought it was funny because I thought he made the poster and that's what he called his photo class. <laughs> and so I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, oh, the Brooks Institute. And then yeah. like one day. Some kid that was in the class came from the Brooks Institute to talk about going to photography college. And at that point, I didn't even know you could go to fucking photo school. You know yeah. what I mean? I was that, in that same boat. I didn't know that photo schools had existed until I moved to California and like saw an ad for that place. Yeah. And then he was talking about the Brooks Institute. I was like, oh, dude, I thought that's what you called your class as a joke. Like, I didn't know there was the actual Brooks Institute. Right. And at that time, still, it seemed so unreachable because that kid I knew, he was kind of a square... And mm-hmm. was like a good student, mm-hmm. you know, typical whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, college is college, man. I can't get into that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's definitely not for me. Right. And, um, you know, I did the junior college thing while I was working construction and bounced around at junior college. 
And then I, uh, I went to, I went to Hawaii just, you know, I, I wanted to travel, wanted to be like my uncle, see his things. Mm-hmm. Like what, when you were a senior? No, like right after my senior year, I worked the whole summer doing photography or, uh, construction with my mm-hmm. dad, saved mm-hmm. up every penny I had. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Hawaii until this money runs out. And mm-hmm. I have, uh, good family friends, like one of my dad's better friends there. Uh, you know, my uncle Ray. I like how he's just a better friend, not a best friend. Oh, he's a better friend. <laughs> you're you're like, you're like, what of his better friends? <laughs> yeah. He's one of the better friends. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, man, he told me always like, Hey dude, you always got a place to stay. And he was right above the North shore. And yeah. I got to go out there and stay out there with him. And I actually did that two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I came back the second time, it was just kind of a bummer because I had shot like hundreds of rolls of film and nothing was really that good. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, fuck, man, I, I'm like, what's going on in my head? Like what I'm seeing in my head is not coming. It's, it's not, not translating, translating yeah. to photography. So actually before I had left Hawaii that time, um, I was dating this girl who is my wife now, yeah. uh, Kristen. And, uh, um, oh, shout out to Kristen. Oh, damn. We're shouting shout, everybody. Shout, shout out wifey. Shout, shout out oh, wifey. Shout out wifey. <laughs> so then, uh, at the time she's like, yo, what are you doing? Like we're dating, but you're over here and fucking, this is kind of crazy. And like, what are you doing with your life? And truthfully, man, I was shooting photos and just partying, like getting fucked up every day. Yeah. Just enjoying Hawaii, but not really, and you know. I, I, knowing Kristen, I bet that at that point when she was like 18, she was like already ready for family. Like she was she was like, hey, look, if you're going to be my husband, you need to like figure your shit out. I, dude, I think it was on some shit like that where she definitely like was seeing a bigger picture for me, you yeah. know. And uh, and, it, and it wasn't because of talent or anything. Yeah. Like I wasn't fucking more talented. I think I was just passionate and she yeah. saw that. I and think she, she and she like green eyes at probably. I'm saying though, I know. mean, you know, you'll see a picture of me later and shit. You're going to blame her for that. <laughs> Uh, so Lee, she, that's that Lee Shaner rubbing off on me right there. So she told she told you uh she's like, What are you doing in Hawaii? Like come back or what? Yeah, she basically nah dude, check this shit out. Mm-hmm. Like this is check this out, fellas, especially this young ass audience out here. When you know you got some wifey material shit, it ain't about that photo on Instagram. <laughs> so uh she she basically told me, Hey, check it out. You know how you always wanted to go to photography college? You said if you could do anything, it'd be become a photographer. And she's like, I called Brooks Institute. I got you uh, an interview and I talked to your parents um, about trying to help you out, like financially get there because it's like, you know, it's expensive. I, it, I, it's expensive. And I, I just never thought in a million years I could ever do it. And she's like, look, if you come home, um, that's all here waiting for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Plus th- that ass is waiting. Uh, too. That shit was waiting too. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I was just real shocked, dude. And I just thought, man, like this yeah, is Yeah, I didn't know that. Tight. That's crazy. I didn't realize that she did that. Yeah, she did that for huh. me. So I got to come, uh, I came home. She saw them three kids in a fucking big backyard dude, with a pool in I'm the future. Saying, That's what that she was. Saw the, she saw potential. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she came, uh, I came home and uh, I got the interview and all that shit. And man, my parents were like so fucking tripped out on like me. Like I, I'm pretty much like at that point, the only person in my family that had like gone to college yeah, or was on his way to go into college. So I come back, you know, I get accepted, which is basically if you got a fucking checkbook, you're accepted. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not like, we didn't oh. know that at the time. <laughs> yeah. you, it, when you first get into Brooks Institute, or at least at this time, what, fucking what, 14 years ago, it seemed like you had made a big accomplishment, but then come to find out they were, they had just gotten bought out by like the DeVry Institute or something. <laughs> so like, yeah. it was like, if you got the money, you're going to keep getting passed. Yeah. It, it, we didn't treat it that way though. Nah, we're like, oh, I'm going to show them my portfolio. Yeah. They didn't give a fuck. They were like, show me that check. Yeah, like, exactly. That was it. Yeah. But at the same time, man, it was a great place. And I, uh, 
you know, me and my chick actually went up there, you know, my wife, Kristen, and uh, we went up there and um, we checked it all out. And I was like, yeah, this is someplace I want to be. But, you know, it was kind of tough adjusting to being up in Santa Barbara, which sounds crazy because it's beautiful. Yeah. you know, for a motherfucking hometown dude like me, it was like nothing was there for me. You could take the kid out of the hood, but couldn't take the hood out of the kid. I'm saying so. You know, me and intuition got together. And- yeah. No. Well, so I was gonna say we we met in the first week of school. So we met in 2000, 14 years ago, uh, or maybe 2001. I can't remember, but it was like we met a long fucking time ago. And it was in the first week, and there was a kid named Kamal. Shout out Kamal, who was like, "Oh, Lee, you should meet this dude Dom. You guys remind me of each other." And I said something like, "Oh, oh, you must be out here again." that pussy too or something retarded you know what i mean like uh, just so stupid and uh and i feel like i gave you a demo like because i was already trying to be on my rap shit i'm like oh yeah i rap check this out like i was on some straight douchebag shit but for some reason we clicked up and uh we got along well yeah that man you know what you were like real confrontational i think when i first met you. not like confrontational like on some fight shit but yeah. i think you were talking about music and i was trying to talk about some music and you were at talking that time, about west coast gangster rap that and, was I, it. and i was very much on some like i hate gangster rap i'm a backpacker yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you yeah. were one step away from having dreadlocks just yeah for real i re- really <laughs> was back when i could still grow that hair um, <laughs> that would have been a fucking accomplishment yeah no it, what's funny because i remember the first time that we actually kicked it outside of the photo lab do you remember uh, we had to do a portrait assignment in um, 101 in the first class, and I and I hit you up and I said, "Yo, man, not to be on some like weird gay shit, but do you mind oh, if I dude. photograph you for this window light assignment?" And you're like, "Yo, not to be on some weird gay shit, but I need to photograph you for it too." Yeah, <laughs> dude, I still because I didn't know what the po- I didn't know what the politics were. My grandmother has them hanging up in my at her house. I didn't know what the politics was of like shooting homies at the time. But then it turns out like when you're in photo school, you have to shoot your homies all the fucking time. Well, I think. Yeah, yeah, the shooting the. I mean, you gotta just reach out to whoever. You yeah. know what I mean? And it becomes not weird as a photo kid. You're like, oh, hey, chick in my class, like yeah. I need to shoot you. Hey, homie, I need to shoot yeah, exactly. you. And like, you, it, that you was know, just our, that was our first time. Like, you were one of the first like people that I sat down to shoot with the intent of like, you are going to like model for this picture for me. Like, I'd never done that before. I just shot people randomly. You know? Yeah, I think I was on the same thing. Like, yeah. that's I didn't. Yeah, I never really like proposition. Yeah, like pulled somebody aside and been like, "Hey, man, can I photograph you?" You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah. So, uh, living in Santa Barbara, we got we got through photo school, and there's a lot of wild times. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, man. And uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you said like sitting your homies down and all that kind of shit. So, like, fast forward all the way to like the end of like photo college, and it's like up until this point, I feel like all we learned was this technical information, and like. Dudes like Lee, you got to understand, man, like this dude is so fucking talented when it comes to like creativity and the camera and all this shit. Like it's a trip now that we even work together. But at the same fucking time, it was like, man, I was like a real admirer of him and all these kids that we were coming up with because – you know, a dude like Lee, he came in, he already had, I think you already had your bachelor's or whatever. No, no. Associates. I, no, I didn't have shit. I mean, I had a couple of years of college experience, but I was bouncing around too. But you were taking, you were taking general ed? Oh, oh no. My ge- I had already gotten most of my general eds out of the way for my first two years of college. Yeah. So at this point in time, like, you know, when I first enroll, it's like all these other kids, like we're all, most of them, I would assume were decent students, Yeah. you know? And so like. While I'm sitting there struggling to get through general ed, like I'm sitting there like getting tutored every fucking day. Like I do remember I was that. a straight idiot. Like I'm yeah. trying to like re <laughs> I'm trying to like relearn shit I should have learned in junior high. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like the fucking football player that just happened to get a scholarship but needs yeah. all the help in the world. So right. 90% of my effort was going into my general ed. So I couldn't even really flex on photo shit to where yeah. it was like 
I'm so amazed because everybody else has much more hours of the day to just focus on creativity and art and all this. And I'm, man, I'm watching Lee, like, man, some of my first work that I did for DC shoes, uh, which was one of the companies that gave me my first shot was, um, just reminiscent of like what I used to watch Lee do in photo school. And like, man, he just had all these like super concept, like nobody I feel like at that time that I knew was doing anything conceptual. Like everybody was like, like you said, like taking pictures of people or taking pictures of beautiful girls, you know, like the easy shit, like sunset, beautiful girls, this, that, whatever. And then like, I'm watching you like take people that necessarily may not even have been good looking or generally super photogenic. Yeah. And Lee's like, I'm going to, put you in this role like oh, yeah, yeah. you know for instance like i used to well i used to try to do like big sets kind of like i used to try to make i i think that i used to call it like satirical um comic photography or something like i used to try to make like a joke with one frame or something you know what i mean yeah i don't do to me like a lot of like he did this photo of me uh this dude lance lance and this other alex. guy alex and uh it was just this real cool thing where he like casted me and lance as kind of like these like dirt bag Guido ish looking yeah, motherfuckers like big and like thug mobster type dudes. Yeah, and, and we were like dressed up in these corny ass jackets and shit. And like I'm holding a roll of duct tape and Lance is smoking a cigarette. And then like in between us, you could see Alex like duct taped to a chair, you know? Yeah. So it was like this super conceptual shit. And the crazy shit is, is like the lighting, the mood, the clothing. Like he had thought of so many different things that like I was mad inspired by it. Like, damn, he's controlling everything and he's casting. Not the prettiest girl in school yeah. or the best looking dude. It was like people the, that fit the role. People well, that was, fit the role. Because no one was doing. Because you were like the big scary dude, and then Lance was like this little like he looked like a little Russian like fucking mastermind yeah. or something. You feel me? Yeah. And Alex just looked like a dude that would get duct taped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, he's gonna be bummed. But, uh, here, yeah, but uh, yeah, no. I, well, and that's what I, that's the that's one of the things too. Is like the first time I met Kristen when she came up. Uh, off like a f- bottle of wine that we had at dinner oh, or something shit. she's like we're all sitting at my crib afterwards she's like i just want to help i just want to thank you so much like you've been such a help to dom like helping him get through these classes and shit and uh it was just funny because like i mean i always felt like we just had a good time kicking it and yeah. like the and then like learning extra photo shit off of each other was just an extra benefit you know what i mean it was whatever because the other thing about photography is it's the most mathematical art there's so much math, particularly at the time back then when we were having to process film and stuff. Like you have to think about chemicals and ratios and times and exposures are all numbers. And so it's like, you know, you shoot a lot off of instinct now, but back then it had to be super teched out. And, and I feel like, yeah, there were times where like it was confusing. Yeah, it was it was mad technical. And uh, yeah, I think that's what it what most people don't understand, I think, is like I think the first year was technical for most people. Yeah. But for like the first two years, it was for me because I feel like I'm catching up on academics. Plus, I'm trying to catch up on the shit that's not even really sticking, you know, photographically. And it was like real hard for me. And I remember it just got to this last class, you know, it was like the people class. And I remember watching everybody go through it. And you had an option like that was like the hardest class you could take. It was like the most criticized and creative and all this shit. And all the top dogs like always took it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, but you had another option where you could take some other class and kind of like skeet around it. Yep. And this teacher that was teaching it, he he didn't even, he didn't like me already because I had a class with him before and I ended up fucking off and like did terrible work. And I knew he didn't think I was that talented and blah, blah, blah. And um, it was like, there was this class, right? And so everybody's sitting there and we had to do a sunglass ad and we're sitting in this class 
And I just remember listening to all these like kids because we went to school with like a lot of fucking rich kids and, mm-hmm. you know, people that had money, you know what I mean? And like I'm always trying to scrounge together like cheap shit, bum up some shit to like make something yeah. happen. And I remember like, you know, a lot of the work that you did that was inspired that wasn't like you didn't need a yacht. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You didn't need a fucking foreign car or some fine. Sure, I, used your, I used your Volvo in more than one shoot. Yeah. Oh, see, there we go. Yeah. It was a bummy ass car. There you go. So anyway, I remember hearing all these kids and they're all talking about um, what they're going to do. Like, I'm going to go buy these fucking Versace shades and and I'm going to put them on the credit card and then I'm going to fucking – I'm going to rent this yacht for an hour and I'm going to get this blonde girl. You know what I mean? It just sounded like exactly like what anybody would think of right at at that moment in time. And like I was so fucking nervous because I'm like, dude, I can't afford to buy fucking shades and all this shit. I'm like, the fuck am I going to do? And I'm just like, damn, I'm way out of my league. I should have never took this class, you know? And – I went home and on my way home, I'm, you know, I'm driving from Santa Barbara to SD back to Oceanside. And, um, I just was like, just got in this mood where I'm like, man, I'm just going to clown, dude. I'm going to do something totally opposite. Like something that like probably will piss the teacher off. And my dad, he's like, he's like, you guys will see later. I I look very fucking white and I am pretty much white, but uh, my dad's (laughs) a Mexican dude. Yeah. And, um, you, uh, who talks like Tommy Chong, who talks like Tommy Chong. Shout out to fucking Tim Cooley. So then uh, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know what I'm going to do? Like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to have my dad fucking shave his mustache into this crazy-ass cholo mustache, and I'm going to stop by the indoor swap meet, and I'm going to get a fucking hairnet and some three flowers and shit, and I'm going to have him slick his shit back. And a pair of lokes. And a pair of lokes. I'm going to use these lokes. I'm going to advertise lokes, right? And uh, so I took the photo, all that shit, and was, like, kind of nervous about it, and I blew it up, like, 11 by 14 or something. And we used to have these, like, uh, critique racks where it was like and it's like a very beautiful like black and white sharp tack sharp print of your dad yeah it w- it's a dope ass photo yeah. it, was lit, it was lit cool but it it, ver- it fit the role of like yeah. what we were doing like lighting wise like lens aesthetic everything even the background I had this like brick wall so it looked like he was in the pin or I don't know something like that yeah. and um, I took the photo came back up printed it and I got into class and it's like literally every photo was like blonde girl with fucking sunglasses blonde girl blonde girl fucking you know it's just like everything you would think out of like a fashion magazine or something right and i fucking slapped this photo of my dad up boom and i just remember like the fucking screech of the record you know what i mean like everybody i could hear people talking shit under their breath and then i could hear but it was like definitely the topic of conversation and the teacher walks in the class hadn't even like fully settled and he fucking grabs it and he's like whose is this and i'm thinking all right, this is where he fucking just hates me for the rest of the year. Yeah, And he's like, yo, this is fucking amazing. He's like, this is probably by far like one of my favorite pieces I've ever seen in this class. And just goes into this fucking like 40 minute lecture. Yeah. Like first he's like really fucking like, who the fuck is this? Right. You know? And I'm like, oh, it's my pops, you know? And like, then that even, you know, started more questions. Like, hold up, man, you look like a white kid. And yeah. Like, What's up with this? And, you know, <laughs> we went in all, and I think he got to know me a little bit better and kind of understand like what, what was up. Yeah. And uh, he just, you know, I spent $7 on that assignment where some kids that spend like two G's or whatever. Right. And um, he just went into this huge lecture about like, if you just play your part and you do what you know and you document what you know and you, it doesn't always have to cost a lot of money to be good. And that really just started my whole style. He sat me down after the class and was like, hey, man, you obviously live a different life than most, than, you know, I'd say 90% of these kids that are here. You're, you know, you're the community that you're involved with, just document it. Yeah. Document that the way you know how to do it and just get involved with this. And that whole class, that's all I did. I ended up getting an A in there and, 
I feel like that class really started my style to where it's like where you I started just, you, simplifying. Yeah, you, you start to learn like who you are as an artist and you find your voice yeah. by being yourself. And that's important in any art form, cross-platform. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that was a... Uh, you know, that was like a real turning point. I felt like yeah. for my photography, but I feel like that didn't get to blossom for years later. You yeah. Know, Cause I started doing other jobs to pay dues. Right. So let's talk about, um, right as we graduate, right as we're about to graduate, something happens with you and your girl. What happens? Yeah. My girl gets pregnant, man. Yeah. We're 23 We're 22 probably when we found out. Yeah. My son, uh, he was born, uh, what day was he born? Oh man, that's terrible. My dad's the twelfth. Yeah. My son is the nineteenth, and I'm the fifteenth of May. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, four days after I turned twenty three, my son was born. Your son Nolan. My son Nolan, who's now ten. He's ten now. Yeah, so yeah. crazy. So. Uh, so yeah, and you're just getting out of school, and it's like now it's go time, and you got to figure it out. Yeah, I'm still in school, actually, man. So yeah. uh, you know, I'm okay. I'm, yeah, because you're in your last session. I'm in my last session, and I'm rooming with Dirty Sanchez. Yeah, and, you know all that. Shout out to Dirty. Shout Sanchez. out to Dirty Sanchez. We'll do so that. I'm basically coming home every weekend at this point now because my girl is pregnant, about to pop. I'm coming home every weekend, so I'm working at the school. Like I just got all kinds of shit going on, and uh, and, and that class that I was telling you about, and so like I just started feeling the pressure, man. And, and my girl, like you know, she needed time. She was working at the time, but. She's like, look, I got a little bit of money and like, I'm not going back to work for a while. Like you got to make this happen. And so I started just feeling all that pressure, man, and, uh, ended up graduating and came home. It's like, I came home to a wife and a kid at 23, uh-huh. you know? And, uh, at the time, you know, it, it just was like a huge shock, man. I panicked really is like kind of what happened. Cause I needed money just right off the bat. So, uh, Man, I asked my cousin, dude, who really did me a big favor, and I totally fucked him over on everything. But uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, man, like, he was like a manager at Albertsons, like, yeah. yo, fucking give me a job, bro. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, kind of like, at this point, like, fuck, I'll do anything. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll stock shelves that night. Yeah. Man, so this dude, I go through this crazy ass fucking process, which is crazy to even have a process at Albertsons as crazy as this. It was to, like a long to be a stalker, to be a stalker, yeah. to be a fucking stalker, man. You're yeah. basically a fucking stalker. Yeah. And it was like I go into this fucking job the first night I got hired, and dude, it like it's nothing but a bunch of fucking tweakers and weirdos like working this night shift. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? I got an $80,000 education. Yeah. I like have all this information about photography and I'm ready to fucking do it. And I'm sitting here stocking shelves at Albertsons. Yeah. Man, and it fucking flipped my life upside down. But at the time, my girl would have been able to work during the day and then I would have left and went to stock shelves at Albertsons. And man, I just fucking grabbed my nuts and I told my girl when I came home, I said, yo, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yo, it's like the first night. Like, what the fuck are we going to do? And like... Man, you know, to be like straight up honest, I fucking was like, you know what? I'm going to take this little bit of money that I got and I'm going to buy some weed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so then started that career. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Lee's talking all this like technical data shit about like fucking how technical photography is. And it was like, man, I was mad successful at growing weed and shit because it was like. Oh, you turned into a scientist. Oh, I did, dude. And it was like, yeah, I was and this just kind of goes into the adult hustle thing where it's like, you know, my pops had you a very... You gotta find any way to get by, really. Yeah, my pops at a very young age had, like, sat me down and just told me straight up, like, hey, dude, you got a kid now. And, like, get your money any way you know how to get it and any way you can get it because he needs fucking diapers and you got to support him and do what you can do. And, 
you know, at that point I was like, yo, I'm going to go after my photography, but the only way I can do that is if I got some fucking income coming in and I, I'm versatile enough to move. So it'd be like, you know, I go out and I pick up a fucking pound of weed, you know, and I started (laughs) going to work doing that. I had, you know, little, little business coming in where I could make, you know, like a G a week coming through and which supported shit from my family, which in turn got me to where I could go take these gigs. Yeah. You know, cause on some outlier shit, like a perfect opportunity for you was living in Oceanside. You're kind of at the epicenter of where the action sports industry is. Yeah. Correct. Right? So, uh, you know, Carlsbad, um, uh, San Clemente, like all Vista, Vista, all these areas that they're, they're, they're home to some of the biggest like action sports companies. Yeah. Like I think Vista, I mean, you know, uh, the owners of DC shoes and all that who yeah. gave me my first job, yeah. they're born and raised there. Yeah. So it's like Vista, you know, DC shoes was born and raised drawers, all that yeah. was born and raised in Vista. So while you're making your side money doing, doing what you were doing, uh, we don't promote that on here, but that's no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kids stay away from the drugs. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Slide the bong go, go, over, to, go to my shows and don't do drugs. So your parents <laughs> will let you spend money. Nah, but you're doing that. But then you had a family friend who kind of like got you, who like brought you into the industry. You got to shoot some ESPN stuff while you were still in school. And then that kind of blossomed into other opportunities. Yeah. So, uh, Marcus Paulson, man, is like literally the first dude that Are we going like, to shout him out. Are we going to shout him? Shout out to Mar- Marcus yeah. Paulson. What yeah. up, dude? Yeah, so Marcus, man, at a real young age was like a family friend, and he basically – shout out to my Uncle Bobo who introduced me to Marcus. And um, he just was like, hey, man, you went to Brooks? Wow, that's great. Like you know all this shit. And at the time, he was like an art director slash photographer for like an agency who yeah. represented action sports Athletes. personalities. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking like Rob Deerdick, Pat – uh, Travis Pastrana, like a lot of, you know, people you hear nowadays. Yeah. Back before they were... Sean White and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. like that. Yeah. And before they were... Um, famous, like huge household I mean, names. I guess they were famous in like the industry that we were in, but yeah. But those they guys have like, transcended to where they're like... how Like my mom knows who all those people exactly, are. Exactly, right. Know? Yeah. So at the time, he was shooting some of the photos and he was art directing and doing this and that. And he's like, yo, just help me with the photography part of it. And man, he took me on jobs and paid me well and fucking I fucked up some of my first job with him. I totally fucked up. I loaded film the wrong way oh, and all shit. this shit. Yeah. But he salvaged it, man, and he had my back through it and fucking we worked through all those kinks. And when I was in school, he introduced me to the people at ESPN. Big, big shout out to ESPN and Amy Lupo over at ESPN. She was like the first person that really gave me a job. Uh-huh. So she was like, you know, we got this X game thing going. She's like a, she's like real high up for ESPN, um, X games yeah. and just the, one of the raddest people ever. And, um, so she gave me this job as like a kid, I think making like, you know, damn near nothing. But at the time it was a lot for uh-huh. me and I had the opportunity to shoot photos. So I started going to all the X games. Uh, I went to the ones in LA, then they started flying me the ones in Aspen. I started meeting the athletes and the personalities and, Slowly kind of getting my feet wet up in that industry. And, uh, you know, Marcus was introducing me to everybody that he knew. And and things just started going from there. Um, One of my good friends was a television. uh, I don't know his exact term. I'm going to slaughter it. But he's like like involved in television production. He does the instant replays. And he put me up on like a labor job for Mm -hmm. like television where I'd run all the cables in and out of the stadium. So for like two years... You know, I was making like 250 bucks, like just being a like humping fucking camera gear and and cables up and down stadiums in San Diego, sometimes some shit in L.A. or Orange County uh, and just setting up these things. But it would be like a busy month for me would be working like six to 10 days for 250 bucks. So I had a lot of downtime. Uh And in that time, I'd hustle any kind of photo gig I can get. Um, 
as well as doing my little side hustle. Yeah. Hint, hint. Yeah. And uh, how this, does that blossom into DC? Well, so this is the crazy thing. Another crazy story, man. So I'm doing television production. I'm like, damn, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I'm a photographer, but hey, whatever. I got an in here, you know, and that's what a lot of people need to realize when they got that opportunity. When you get that in, it might be a direction you don't even consider yourself going and, and you end up having you end up going that route because it's an in somewhere. If you can get your foot in the door, then you can kick it open eventually. Exactly. Yeah. In any way you want. So these guys like, you know, they bust my balls all crazy. It's kinda like a construction mentality and they were cool with me, but I worked hard, you know, I busted my ass and they respected me and threw out about a year and a half. Like everybody had mad respect for me. It was like as soon as I was done with my job. I go help the guy do an audio. Hey, man, you want me to help you mic up the field? Cool, I'll mic up the dugout. You do the field, whatever. And I just started learning other shit. And I was, like, really interested in directing. Like, so I'd go inside those television trucks with live TV, and I would see this director, like, calling out fucking different monitors and the instant replay guys. And he was, like, running the show. He had, like, all the control, which I guess I come back to find out I'm, like, really a control freak. And (laughs) so uh, I'm watching this dude fucking doing all that. I was like, wow, that'd be tight to be that. So about two years into it, at this Christmas party, the main dude kind of pulls me aside and is like, hey, man, like, you paid your dues. You're a good dude. If you want to start coming down, you know, and learning other shit, like, you're more than welcome to. And, like, at this point, I'm making consistent money with it, you know, and I got my other shit on the side, like I said. And so I was doing all right. So I'm at this Christmas party. My wife's down there. We're hanging out. And I kind of got, like, the, hey, man someone's opened up the back door you can come on in man you know what i'm saying like you you have an opportunity to learn anything you want right direction photography like i'm not photography but like shooting cameras right. or whatever and i was like okay cool man and i was so excited about it on the way home i'm telling my wife like damn i can't believe like this is the direction my life is going because yeah. i thought it'd be photography but hey i'm not gonna look a different direction just because it's not what i want like this is what's being presented to me right right and so i was like man i guess i'm gonna start doing that and um Crazy shit, dude. The next fucking day, no lie, the next day I get a call from uh, Marcus Paulson, who's the guy that brought me into ESPN, saying, hey, I got a position for you at DC Shoes. Yeah. And um, when I looked at both of the things, I was actually probably making more money doing the television production and, you know, the side extracurricular shit than I was at what the salary he was offering me at DC. It was like a real shitty entry-level position. But it put me with a camera again. Yeah. And it put me at a dope company where, you know, like you said, you know, you got your foot in the door. And so I talked it over to my wife. I'm like, damn, I'm going to be making almost 10 G's less if I like go this route. But there was like health insurance. And because I had a kid and all that, it was like, well, I'm going to go this direction. Yeah. So I ended up getting a, a staff photography position at DC. And, and the staff photography position was like the bottom of the totem pole. You're like shooting shoes on white background all day pretty much, right? Yeah, like that was it, man. It production was production like, level stuff. Yeah, it was production. It was like, um, we have a template. You put the shoe on the template, yeah. you shoot it, you name it, and it goes into a catalog. Which is the, the funniest thing is while we were in school, tabletop photography is what both of us had the most problems with, I would say. Like oh, tabletop yeah. photography is fucking hard. And the crazy shit is after you were doing production for like a year, I came down and visited the studio and you showed me like how you were doing everything. And a shot that would have taken me like four hours while we were in school you were doing in five minutes and i was going like holy fuck like how do you know how to do all of this with tabletop photography and you're like this is what i do all day yeah and and it literally was man you know it was like dc put the ten thousand hours in me um as far as like every little i mean i shot so many damn shoes 
prepped so many damn shoes, shot them, you know. And, it, and the thing is, is like, man, if somebody gives you like a can of pee, like if someone gives you like fucking 50 words and they say rap that shit only those 50 words for fucking five years straight you're gonna get like real fucking creative on the ways to like rap. use the yeah, words yeah, you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah, yeah. and so it was like dude that very it, deep analogy so uh yeah i'm looking at a fucking shoe and then some art director dudes coming in like well we need it to look different i'm like dog yeah. like it's a shoe yeah and a shoe's like anything else there's a sexy side and there's like a, a side you don't want to show and yeah. then you know, the heel and the toe is kind of, eh, you yeah. know, you always want to show the, the lateral side or whatever. And so then it was just Very learning. similar to taking a dick pic. You know, yeah. I've, I've seen, I've swiped left. Lee. <laughs> He's like, yo, check this photo out. I'm like, oh shit. That's what you'd be sending out on Tinder. <laughs> uh, so how long were you, uh, how old was Nolan at this point when you get the DC job? Uh, Nolan was probably, damn, three, two or three. And so around that time is when you found out that Nolan is a little different. Yeah. I started coming down when I would visit and I, and, uh, you know, the crazy thing was, is that James Nocan, who's one of my other really great friends, uh, he had a kid that was the same age as Nolan. Like you guys have the same family except opposite. His are all girls. Yours are all boys. So he had a two year old and she was like talking and, and like, and doing stuff and, and then I would come down and visit you and I would notice like Nolan was really quiet and he wouldn't make a lot of eye contact. Yeah. And when did you guys start noticing that? Man, you know what? I think we might have noticed it. We There was like weird little things that would happen with him uh, just randomly. Like I want to say it's, since he was about one and a half, you know, yeah. but as a parent, you're kind of like, oh, he's just young. And, yeah. You know, we weren't around a lot of other kids at that time because, man, you guys were young. Yeah, my twenty-three-year-old homies. There wasn't one around that had. You were the only. You you were the kids that had kids. Like that was exactly. So there wasn't a lot to compare it to, and uh, you know, my wife being she had a degree in like child development and all that was a teacher. Yeah. So I'm sure she was probably a little bit aware of it before me, but I think my wife kind of had like a. uh, a little bit of a complex about it, maybe, you know, it's, it's like a tough thing to accept. Like you don't want to admit it or something. Yeah, like, like oh, he's he's behind at something. And yeah. we actually had like a, what is the physician, yeah. uh, the child doctor, a pediatrician yeah. right. that was like, oh, you guys, you guys are just tripping over that. Like, he's just a spoiled kid. You guys talk for him. So he doesn't yeah. like, he's just blooming late, you know? Yeah. And so we had all these questions and then I'm like, man, like he was doing like all kinds of different things that I, I'm like, that ain't normal, dude. Yeah. Like one time, man, he had like fucking took all the Hot Wheels cars and he had, he had lined them up in color by the make. Oh, wow. Like he had all vans that were red here and then all trucks that were blue there and like had made this line that was like 15 feet long. Like I got in the shower, got out and that shit was there, dude. It like, it was like some poltergeist shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Where I came out and was like, who did that? Yeah. Because at this point, he's like a year and a half old. And I'm thinking, like, did someone come in my house and try to fuck with me? Like, yeah. and it was him, you know, and he had yeah. done it and he started doing it more frequently. And there was all these telltale signs. But basically what had happened is, uh, you know, we ended up getting my son tested and he uh, he has autism. Yeah. He's autistic. And um, yeah, we just started going through that. So that really put a, a fire under my ass to like um, – Work even harder. Work even harder, really. Uh, Just in general, what was happening at the beginning and uh, is, uh, you know, we needed to get help. Yeah. We needed to figure out what was going on. And I think for like young parents, like we were getting a lot of doors shut in our face or people were just treating us like kids, you know? And it's like, man, I'm a smart dude. My wife's very smart. And she's like a take no shit. Like you can't tell her no for anything. I mean, you know, and um, 
she'd be at work and she'd be trying to call somebody and she'd be on hold for like two fucking hours, dude. And these people wouldn't return our calls and nothing was happening and we weren't getting any kind of support and we weren't getting any kind of answers. And at that point, you know, I, I told her, I was like, we need to think about him man. like, regardless, he's number one. And like, we need to get what's going on with him straightened out. Uh-huh. And, um, she was coming home crying every day. You know, she was bummed out cause she couldn't get answers. And I just told her, I was like, you know what? Fuck your job. Like you, I know you want to stay home. I know you want to figure this out. So fuck this job. Like I'm going to make it work. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. Like I'll figure it out how to make enough money to like support us all and, and mm-hmm. get this. You just worry about him. You get him taken care of. Cause you know, you have a background in this and it makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we made the decision and we did that, man. And, you know, for about a year and a half, my wife just busted her ass, like trying to figure out a program for Nolan and getting him help, like mm-hmm. getting therapies and, and working on his school stuff with him and getting like therapists. We actually have therapists since he was probably around like four, that three or four to come to our house and work with us for mm-hmm. hours at a time and mm-hmm. work with him to. Yeah, because like what like what age do you think he said his first word at? Well, the thing is, he had a lot of words. He yeah. just had no sentences. Like he couldn't, he couldn't uh, lace them together at all. Yeah, the, the putting the sentences together was like very hard for him. Yeah. And um, so you know, she just went off on this journey, man, trying to figure things out for him. And I remember like the first, um, the first like school like we had kind of went to that was doing the testing. It was just real crappy ass bitch that uh, kind of <laughs> did the testing. And I yeah. know I, it, it was crazy. Like I don't feel like she liked Nolan, yeah. which seems to be crazy to say, but like at the same time, like. My son's different to where, like, you have to be up for the challenge. Like, he's – because he can't use vocabulary like other kids, he's, he has a very heightened sensitivity for, like, things like eye contact or mm. – when you're talking to a kid, man, you know, if – you know, just a pointer. If you're trying to talk to a kid, you're going to want to, like – if you kind of get down on their level, like, you – you uh, let's just say you drop to your knees and you're talking to a kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now you're eye level with the kid and the kid's not looking up at you. That's a, you know, now you're not so intimidated. Yeah, it's like a sign of submission almost, like I'm not a danger. Yeah, and my son was like very aware of that kind of shit and um, he responded well to just different people. And some people did it instinctively. Some yeah. people were just those types of people and some people had to learn it. And she was real crazy and and we asked her about our options and it went from like, I want to know from zero to 10. Like I want to know like, Okay, what's the like the parents that don't give a fuck? Like what what happens with them and their kids to the parents that are Jenny McCarthy that got like fucking Start millions of dollars yeah. and and could, you know, uh, afford any types of therapies. I want to know everything and everything in between and then me and my wife will pick where we fit in based on our finances and our life, you know? Right. And she's like, "Well, there isn't that many options." Like that's literally what she said and I was like, red flag yeah like you fucked up like well yeah because i remember my mom would come down and be like oh i deal with this every day you can do this 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 and this talk to your teachers about this and like there's probably state laws that say this and yeah so we got in the car man after that and like kristen started crying and was like all freaking out and i was like man fuck that lady you hear what she said like no options like that's crazy like there's options for everything you know and uh I said, man, she said that shit to the wrong people. Like, we're like three generations deep. Like, one of my good fucking homeboys, his dad was the mayor. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this shit. Like, we're going to figure it out and get what we want. And my wife just took that and, you know, hustled to getting him pretty much like the best care you could possibly have. Yeah. And he's killing it. It's been so crazy to watch him grow up because, like, yeah, it was like this, I don't know, like... 
being around him since the day he was born and just seeing to the the kid that he's becoming now is such a drastic change um but also it's like a, it's a growth it's been a big growth for me as a person too because there is like this awkwardness when you when you when you see him when you meet him and he's like three and you're like oh this kid like should like when I call him he should come and hang out with me and like me and it's like he's like nah I, I like he's in his own world it's like almost this thing like oh how do I deal with this like what am I how am I supposed to act it's it's intimidating and now man. and now it's like dude you know when when Nolan comes over and like and like recognizes me and says hey oh I love you Uncle Lee like that shit is so awesome but also his artwork and like just you know the fact that he's starting to become more and more verbal it's like just so crazy to watch i don't know yeah man i'm i'm very very proud of him man he uh he's just such an awesome kid and like man i will say like he truthfully is like a big inspiration for me because he works so hard just to do things that we take for granted shit man that you try to take it you know yeah you definitely take for granted and for me to see that it's like man like i'm telling you this kid goes to school he goes to a normal school he has an aide you know who walks around with him and helps him with certain things and he does normal classwork that all the other kids do at his age level then he comes home and three times a week he gets therapy so as soon as he get home he he works for another two to three hours with a therapist and me and my wife and and the other kids to where it's like man you know like damn that is crazy you know then he has to do homework like i mean he's a he's a very busy hard-working kid and you know there's so many different ways and, and spins you could put on it and different emotions that you go through where I saw my wife was very emotional about it. That's her baby. And and I kind of went the opposite where I was like, whoa, we need to figure out what we need to do. Bang, bang, bang. And just like get it all checked off and make sure he's taken care of. And um, there's a lot of people I think that just like can't deal with it or they don't accept it right. And uh, the thing is, is if you do that, it's just you're going to have to wait that much longer Yeah. Um, to start helping your kid. Yeah. You know, you need to like – you need to intervene real quick and get over all that bullshit because yeah. it's like – you may be like, oh, why is it me or this, that, whatever. Oh, man, I wish my son could do this and that. And uh, I remember like a key moment. He was going to this school. Um, it was like a specialized school where it had typical children and then it had kids with disabilities and they would intermix them. And it was this rad school where a lot of typical kids were trying to get in because there was like a speech therapist, a language, uh, someone there that was there for like helping them with language, educational, a teacher. There was like all these different occupational therapists. There's like mm-hmm. six people in the class. And uh, we got them into this program. So there'd be like three typical kids and like three kids with disabilities mm-hmm. varied at different levels. And so we saw a lot of different shit there, you know? And it was like one day, I remember Kristen was kind of being down and out on like, just, you know, fuck, this is our life and mm-hmm. we have to deal with this. And if you see my son, man, he's a handsome dude, like strong kid, athletic. Everything I really wanted for a son when I thought like, damn, if my first kid's a a boy, I'd be so stoked and Mm -hmm. this is what I'd want, you know? And uh, he's everything, you know, that we'd want like that. Um, And I remember we pulled up into the parking lot and there was this uh, van next to us and the van back opens up and this full on like lift comes out. Mm -hmm. And it's this kid on a wheelchair that literally has like one of those things where it's like he presses with his tongue on the wheelchair. He's like straight paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And he had like, it looks like a lot of other shit going on. And the Mm -hmm. parents got out and I just looked over at Kristen and was like, yo, like this shit is always worse. There's always something that could be worse. And like, man, you have a kid that's athletic, handsome, all this shit. Like, look at what those parents are dealing Mm -hmm. with. Like, suck up them tears and let's just get this shit going. You Mm -hmm. know, like, let's figure out how we can help them and what we can do. Like feeling sorry for us or him ain't going to do shit. There's somebody else that got it worse. Right, right. And so, uh. 
yeah, we've been on that journey and like, it's cool, man. It's like really, uh, it's really cool when he can accomplish all these different things. And, uh, from skateboarding to surfing to do him doing his art. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's definitely something we, we should talk about because that's like a, not to get too far on this, but, um, yeah, Lee was like one of the first people that started realizing his like art and uh well because he does stimming like stimulation stuff where he was doing he was doing stuff where he was drawing obsessively yeah dots uh on graph paper yeah like my mother-in-law would bring home some graph paper because she worked out of school and we had like these fat stacks of it and uh all one summer he just started taking these markers that were around the house and he was drawing dots like dots all inside of these uh graph paper and I I, pay, I didn't pay much attention. I just knew he liked to do it, and it wasn't, like, odd for me. So I saw him doing it all the time. And then, like, you know, I'd say, like, by the end of the summer, Lee comes down, and he's like, yo, what the fuck are all these pieces of paper of these dots, like, all over your house? Like, they're everywhere. There's, like, stacks everywhere, like, you know, crazy stacks of shit everywhere. And I was like, oh, that's Nolan. He just likes doing that. He's like, well, this is fucking tight. Like, these are really cool. Like, you know, do you mind if I put it on Instagram? At that point in time, I didn't even have fucking social media. I was like, yeah, I'm not on that Facebook or fucking none of that kind of shit. And he put it on there and it just got mad love. Like a lot of people fucking started talking about it. Yeah. And- oh, uses his album cover. It's so beautiful. Because yeah. to me, the way that you guys described it to me, I hadn't seen him actually do it yet. You were like, nah, dude, it's crazy. Like he'll get a bucket of markers and he'll sit there and he'll pick out a color. And if that color's not right, he puts it back as if he's looking for a specific color for each dot. And he yeah. doesn't fill them in with any rhyme or reason. He's not going straight right to left, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and I just thought it was so interesting. And I was like, this is like not, this is not, uh, some random occurrence. Like this is this fool's art, you know, like this is art for real. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. So once he did it, you know, I kind of put it out there and I had like, a. I ended up, you know, after I got on the social media, tip well, I said, dude, that. you should put this on canvases. Yeah. So we, we ended up, my dad, uh, started building canvases for him and, I started buying canvases. My mother-in-law, everybody was buying him a canvas and putting it at our house. And he started doing shit all over canvases. So now we got canvases all over the house. And mm-hmm. uh, me and Lee have been talking about doing an art show with him for probably like three years now. I think we just got to get up off our ass and do that. Mm-hmm. And um, Well, and then years later, I read this book called The Reason I Jump. And I've been telling you and Kristen about it. And I just found this note. That's why I was digging in my phone. Because I thought this was so interesting when I read it. I instantly thought about his art and I like this, all the hairs on my neck stood up. So it's the, the reason I jump is a book that's written, uh, transcribed by a kid that, um, has, is a Japanese kid that has autism and he's trying to explain, uh, how he feels because he can't verbally express himself, but he's able to write very, um, uh, prolifically and, and, and very clear mindedly. And so he goes, um, so I do understand things, but my way of remembering them works differently from everyone else's. I imagine a normal person's memory is arranged continuously like a line. My memory, however, is more like a pool of dots. I'm always picking up these dots by asking questions so I can arrive back at the memory that the dots represent. And so when I read that, I was like, holy shit, like fucking, I wonder if that's what Nolan is doing is trying to like paint his memories or something. And it was just, I don't know. That was like a really fucking cool moment for me. Yeah, there's there's so many different um uh interpretations of like what he could be doing or whatever but it is very interesting and it definitely makes you think that it's not just random and that it's you know that there may be a deeper meaning to it or whatever and hopefully one day man it'd be cool if he just tells us why he liked to why he likes to do it because now he just says he likes it you know like i like doing it so we uh for anything that we that we like this is the thing man for any parent or anybody out there like 
that's around a kid and just wants to expand like their creativity or their thought process or anything, man, you got to just be very aware of like what people are doing and what they like and then just provide a bigger venue for them. Because that's all I really see it is. It's like, you know, me being a a photographer, marketing dude, whatever. It's like literally, man, like, you know, dudes like me and Lee can turn you into – whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we could take photos of you that make you look cool and tell you what to do and how to post on your social media or this, that, whatever, and kind of turn you into something. And I, I've seen that, you know, with my kid where I'm like, Hey, you know what? Like, you know, I could, uh, market my son, you know, with this art shit or whatever mm-hmm. and help him out and give him this venue to show people, whether it's just social media or I had friends hit me up that own skateboard companies that are like, yo, we should do a, like an autism deck for the month of, you know, autism month and, you know, just all kinds of cool opportunities mm-hmm. like popped up in the connections I have with like various companies to be like, Hey, let's do a shoe for mm-hmm. vans or let's do this or that, you know, uh, could be cool opportunities. And I think just seeing these things that your kids are into before it was art, like my son, he, he's just like was fidgety when he was young and mm-hmm. like, he liked to jump. Right. And like, he liked to jump and he liked to hang and, and climb. So he would like climb fucking bookshelves, like all kinds of shit that was like inappropriate to climb. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is like when somebody climbs some shit, like or somebody's jumping or somebody's doing something and you see and you're like, why the fuck are they doing that? And it's like they just might need to do it. Mm-hmm. And you may not understand it and it may not be appropriate to fucking jump up and down in the middle of your classroom or at work. But the thing is, is like I started asking my son like, hey, man do you need to jump? And he would go, yeah. And I would say, well, I need to buy you a trampoline then. You know what I'm saying? It's as simple as that where like some parents will scold their kids like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop jumping. Like you're annoying me. Or like you're upstairs on the second floor and you're jumping all crazy and it's, you know, it's knocking shit off the wall. Like you just have to realize that kids may need to do that shit. So it's like, you know, I take them, you know, if your kid breaks into the garage and grabs spray paint, spray paints the side of your fucking car, like, he might want to fuck around with spray paint. Yeah. Go buy a fucking, go buy a piece of wood at fucking Home Depot and put it up in your background. Like, it's not appropriate to spray paint on the car. Yeah. But it is appropriate to do it somewhere else. In a positive out, outflow or influence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, and it's, uh, this is like kind of off topic, but, uh, in the same vein, I find it funny and I, and I draw parallels between, um, what you go through with Nolan and then what's been happening with my dad, uh, as far as like out in public shit, because it's like, we both know and love Nolan and I know and love my dad. And, and when we go out people that might, that don't understand, they, they both outwardly look extremely normal. Like, like you said, Nolan is a normal looking, handsome kid dresses super tight, like, uh, and, and has good haircut and everything. And when, like, I remember, uh, I remember getting really kind of pissed one time when we were at SeaWorld or something because he was going to go get on a ride and and uh, the guy went to like – was like, oh, OK. Yeah, stand here and, and like Nolan just kind of walked past him and the guy was like, uh, OK and like kind of like snapped on him. And I wanted to be like, hey, motherfucker, like chill out. He just doesn't understand, you know? Yeah. And it's the same thing with my dad where like he looks very outwardly normal like a normal 60-year-old dude. But like you know, if I go to a restaurant with him and I have to order his food because he can't remember what he saw on the menu, like – waitresses will kind of look up on me like oh you're kind of bossy huh are you like the boss of the table and i want to be like hey look bitch like the <laughs> motherfucker has alzheimer's and he can't remember like i'm trying to do my dad a solid like don't be an asshole yeah so anyway well i mean you know 
there's so many different levels of dealing with it. It's like personally, you know, you have some personal guilt, like, oh shit, man, was it? Yeah. Like, did I do too much ecstasy? And that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're like, you don't know, like, did I smoke too much weed? Yeah, like, should yeah. I have not done this? Like, did I do something to, yeah. like, you know, have my kid go through this? Or did I not do something? Or, you know, there's all these different little things you go through. And then, you know, when he's here, like, you, you're right. Like, you're in public. And I feel like, if it, you know, out of this whole autism talk, which may be over most of your fucking viewers' heads and it's no it's one gives a shit about this or Not whatever. people are interested in whatever. The thing is, I'm going to tell you, man, is just like, if anybody could take anything from this whole babble conversation that we're having is that fucking, man, just, you know, you don't ever know what the next motherfucker is going through hands down. Right. Whether he has a, you know, whether he has Alzheimer's or he's got autism or whether he's just a different motherfucker that yeah. doesn't fit in, you know, and that's been something, man. I've never been like the type of motherfucker to pick on the the little dorky kid or anybody because you know, that's just not me, man. You get no glory in that. It's like you don't get no glory in fucking picking on some some kid that can't defend himself yeah. or whatever. And the thing is, is like you just never know what that next person's going through. Yeah. You, you never even know what the fuck someone has going on in their day if they're totally normal. So it's like, you know, for my son – one of the biggest things that was hard for me in the beginning, especially because I'm not like the type that have that shit was like, I wanted to fucking fight everybody that looked sideways at my son because yeah. it was like, he couldn't control himself. Like I said, he'd be jumping up and down. He'd get in a restaurant and he would start jumping the fuck up and down. And it was like, you know, and I'm trying to calm him down. And because we're young, people would look at me and my wife who probably, you know, looks fucking 10 years younger than me. Um, it's like, oh, look at this fucking white trash looking dude with tattoos and his young dumbass wife. Like they got some kid over here and they can't even control him, which is like, dude, I, I'm like a hyper parent compared to most. I, I feel like a, most of a lot of other parents. Yeah. We have to work twice as hard to work with him. Well, and you also, because of the career and lifestyle, you get to be more involved in, in your parent in your kid's life than I think a lot of parents ever have the opportunity to be. Right. Yeah. We're definitely blessed in that way, man. We're, um. But I'm saying like these people would see Nolan and he would say something weird or do something weird and, and there's they'd roll their looks. eyes and, yeah. you know, or some people would even say some shit, you know? Yeah. And in the beginning, you know, it's like I want to be like, motherfucker, he has autism, you fucking piece of yeah. shit. You know what I mean? And then it got to a point where I'm like, you know what? Like you're an adult, man. People are different. I don't know everybody in explanation. Yeah. You know, my kid's doing what he's doing because that's what the fuck he does and it's none of your business. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like Well, and I think so, that and I think um you saying like you don't know what somebody else is going through and don't be a bully, don't be an asshole all ties back into like being able to talk to whoever and hold the conversation with whoever because you I think that you enter uh I think that you start each day in a non judgmental headspace and i think that's why you're able to kind of like succeed and people want to be around you because you're a dude who might have like one outward perception that is able to kind of like break whatever stereotypes your outward perception might have and be like a very fucking sweet normal dude who can relate to anyone and so that all ties into the fucking the success theme that we've been talking about and we didn't get nearly as far as i wanted to because we went on so many tangents but we've already been talking for probably an hour and 45 minutes so i'm gonna say like after you got to DC, you started clicking up with like some art director guys and you guys started succeeding and then it all just stemmed from there, right? Yeah, man. Uh, we got to wrap it up fast. So give me a summary of the last five years. Woo, we didn't even get to the five years. Uh, I think I started my own business. Shout out to my own business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that a lot of it goes to um, you worked hard at DC. You kept your nose to the fucking grindstone. When opportunities arose, you took advantage of them and you you um, forged strong relationships with dudes that were at the same level as you in different positions, right? 
And you guys have been able to maintain those relationships throughout as everybody becomes independent business owners. Yeah, man. Like I said, I started my own business. Some of the people that I worked with, they started their own businesses too. Uh, Nine five, yeah. been a big supporter of everything I do since day one, and and uh, the owners over there, and been super cool. And then just all these people that we've worked with through times just continue to support. You know, they're like Dom got his own business. And they're working for New Air. So, yeah, let's hire Dom. Now Dom works for New Air. Oh, they're going to REI. Like, you know, it's just people networking and good relationships. Yep. And I think what really at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the good relationships. Yeah. You know, photo work is photo work. There's a lot of people that do what I do. But at the same time, like, we got that good relationship. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, no matter what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think over the years, I'm so glad that we've been able to maintain our, our, uh, strong friendship and relationship. And that, uh, I don't know if I've probably talked about this before, but like I, during my darkest days when Knox city was ending and I thought that I had wasted a year of my life and had nowhere to go and I was broke as shit and my unemployment ran out. This was the guy that I made one phone call to. And I said, Hey man, I'm in kind of a bind. Do you need any work? And, or do you have any work? And he said, you know what? I'm, I'm going freelance and I'm starting my own business and I need an assistant. So what's up? And that was three years ago and we've been going strong. And I think ever since then, every year, the business has grown more and, um, he's, and he's helped set, uh, an environment for me to where I'm able to do these things and, and also concentrate on my own personal creativity all while helping the business together grow. So very, yeah. very proud uh, of what we've accomplished and happy to, happy to have you in my life. No homo. So you could, uh, you could sum that up all by like, you know, that time when I leave once a month to hustle and pay the rent, this is the <laughs> that's, motherfucker a, I do it with. That's, a, that's who I do it with. Exactly. So anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. Where can they find you online? Um, on Instagram at yeah, Dominic Cooley. Do no, I was like worried. I'm like, yo, don't shout out my Twitter. It sucks. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, just look at my Instagram, man. You could see what's up. Yeah. But, uh, if you like some real life shit, you could check out mine. But if not, fucking follow Van Styles or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Dominic Cooley, D-O-M-I-N-I-C-C-O-O-L-E-Y. And yeah. you will see our adventures traveling and uh, his three beautiful kids that are my nephews. Uh, shout out to Nolan, Gavin, and Devin the Dude. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. My name's Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man, Ben Shin, behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery at I am database, space with two S's. Follow us as a unit at That's Kind of Neat, youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat, facebook.com slash Kind of Neat. No one listens to this part, but download the iPhone app uh, for podcasts, subscribe to Kind of Neat, leave a comment, leave a five-star rating, everything wrapped up in a pretty package at kindofneat.net. That was my best friend and uh, travel partner and fucking photo guru, Dominic Cooley, and uh, that was kind of neat. Thanks, dude. <laughs>